When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Football Social Daily. Premier League Preview. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Preview Show. It's the weekend after the FA Cup. We've all had a week back at work and back to relative normality after Christmas, New Year's, all that. And the Premier League is back. My name is Ant McGinley and helping out, chipping in with their knowledge and wisdom, I have a trio of journalists today. Regular journalist that you'll hear on the show. Alongside me is Fergal Brennan. Hello, Fergal. Hello. Uh, opposite me, I have also got freelance football journalist Pete Hall. Hello. And uh, for the first time working together with me, uh, sports journalist, football journalist, journalist, football, sports. Bit of everything. Yeah. Pete Mullenstein. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the show. So, uh, amongst. As well as reviewing all the fixtures that we've got coming up, uh, we'll also be asking, uh, will Liverpool be even better this weekend as their first team has basically had a whole week off? And after Crystal Palace signed Cenk Tosun on loan from Everton, does anybody at Selhurst Park understand what a striker is supposed to actually do? And also, is there anybody on social media that is easier to wind up than Fabian Delph? Those are some questions we may get answers to. Let's start with the evening kickoff, which is a big one. Spurs taking on Liverpool six months on from the Champions League final and the teams have gone in slightly different directions. Before I come to uh, my journalist here, let's speak to Mike, who's a diehard Spurs fan. And it, when you look at it, it's been very, very different, the trajectory of the two clubs. Obviously, Liverpool gone on to have a whole unbeaten year and win trophy after trophy. And for Spurs, it's all been downhill. Well, I would actually go a bit further than that, and I would say that the um, that it goes back a whole lot longer than six months. Yes, six months. We both the two clubs found themselves in the same game in the Champions League final. However, if you go back um, 
I, I would say a year or two years before that to the start of the previous season where which ultimately ended up in Liverpool losing the Champions League final to Real Madrid at that point uh, beginning of that season you would because there's a very strong case to say that Liverpool and Spurs were bang on neck and neck at that point uh, they were both uh, these were the two clubs that were going to challenge Man City uh, at the top um, and trying to uh, trying to win stuff there now at that point uh, at the end of that season and there's only also at that point, yes, Spurs were playing arguably the best football in the league at that. They were attacking, dynamic. Since then, we've we've then signed pretty much no one, with the exception of Lucas Moura, the following January, and after that, nobody until this summer. And so that was just, that just stayed, and they stagnated. Other teams got better, Spurs didn't, and now we're playing some really turgid rubbish. Can I just clarify something? You are actually a Spurs fan, Mike. <laughs> yes, of course, I am a lifelong Spurs fan. Yes, indeed, um, I. I been yeah it's my dad's fault but um yeah here i am and i am a lifelong spurs fan i'm all, but i'm also a real and, and you're sort of six weeks into project Mourinho, and yep. and this is a manager with with a great record uh and now it's the first time he's come in mid-season but he has in his last two jobs when he went to chelsea when he went to united he won silverware in his first season there uh yes. May, may not happen this season for you, uh, but in the studio with me, I've, I've got Pien and uh, Pete, who are both United fans, so they're familiar with the Mourinho effect. Um, yeah. How are you feeling six weeks in? Uh, well, I wasn't overly excited when he took over. Um, there is this whole thing about Mourinho being a serial winner, but then the style of football that he plays, as the United fans with you there will, will testify, this is not the kind of manager that is that plays the kind of football that Man United are, are known for, nor is it the kind of manager that plays the kind of football that Spurs are noted for. Um, Although there was a, a short, well, you know, a upturn in results when Mourinho took over, that we, he's, he's, since he's been there, we've only played one game. We've only kept one clean sheet under Mourinho for a, for a and for a manager that is so famously defensive, that ain't good enough. Um, now going into this game tomorrow, uh, tonight against Liverpool. Um, I'm actually not too worried about Harry Kane being out because if you look at the record that we had over in the games last season in the two periods where Kane was out for a few weeks, we won pretty much all those games. Um, so I'm not that concerned about that because the attacking player going forward is still good, although it's not been clicking recently. Um, no, I'm more concerned about the back. And when you've got um, Firmino, Mane and Salah all working well together uh, against Alderweire, Alden Vertonghen, who a couple of years ago were the best defensive central def- central defensive partnership in the league. Now they just look, they look like a bunch of geriatrics, um, and they just get hopelessly exposed at any time. Any time any team attacks them with any kind of creativity and flair, and uh, I think going into uh, tonight's game, if we can keep it in single figures, that will be a start. Well, and, uh, again, just to emphasize, you are a fan. Of I am. I am a fan. <laughs> and, 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 what you said. I'd hate to hear what you said if you weren't. Well, um, I think some when I have these conversations with other with fans of other clubs, um, uh, I, I, I get the feeling that people supporters of other clubs seem to have higher expectations of Tottenham than Tottenham fans do at the moment, um, because without watching them as as closely as fans like me do, they sort of still have this idea that Spurs are uh, are, are a threat. But if you look at the evidence this season, they don't seem to be. So as a City fan, I'm kind of grabbing onto and clutching at straws here, grabbing onto any little thing that I can possibly that gives us a glimpse of possibly being able to pull back uh, some some of this massive gap between City and Liverpool. 
And so every time Liverpool come up against a game that looks like they might slip up, I jump at the chance. <laughs> the last time Liverpool were on to win the league and they came up against a Mourinho team, where it was the infamous Gerard slip. Can Mourinho stop them again? Uh, never say never, but I think you're dealing with two very different beasts uh, ahead of this game tonight. You're dealing with a Liverpool side that is much better uh, and also much stronger mentally than that team with the infamous Gerard slip and then the Crystal Palace draw a few days later. Um, that's been one of the big things that Jurgen Klopp has instilled in them in the last couple of seasons, a mental strength to get through games against sides that normally they might get a draw against and be relatively happy with and then ultimately not win the league, just finish in the top four. And Mourinho is a very different beast from that character then of this kind of animal that was obsessed with winning, would only accept certain standards, uh, had a razor sharp tongue, wouldn't stand for any sort of messing from players, managers, love to get involved in a bit of mind games. Now he just seems, I wouldn't say mellow, but... I think what happened at Manchester United has has taken a lot of that out of him. I think that's kind of levelled him in terms of where he is as a manager now. Uh, His stock has dropped, obviously, on the back of what happened at Old Trafford. Um, He's still an excellent manager, but that sort of cockiness has vanished from him now, I think, in terms of the way that he presents himself. And, And that's the reason why, yeah, on paper, you'd look at, he's got a good record against Liverpool as a manager. Uh, It's the team that he's had the most games against as a manager 28 but I think the, they've shifted so far apart since then that ultimately it, it was going to take something very special for, for Mourinho to get anything So Mike there being representative of a fair few Spurs fan and not being Mourinho's biggest supporter biggest fan uh, both Pete and Pete are your United fans mm-hmm. um, any regrets about letting Mourinho go? Not for me uh, no, I don't, I don't know about you, Pim, but no. I mean, it's hindsight is a wonderful thing in the fact that because the thing is, he did predict a lot of things. He's, he he's, did, he's got and right. he, 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 you know, a lot of what Jose Mourinho says you have to take with a pinch of salt because he's he's often trying to get a jibe in wherever, wherever he can. Um, but one of the things that he he said a few times since he left is that one of his greatest achievements was getting this United team to finish second, mm. and they did finish second uh, in the Premier League, and with with enough points that would have won it in yeah, most seasons. In, in most seasons, um, they won. He's won. Tro- he won trophies, but there was more. There was more to it than that. There was. It's not just the football. It, it, it's. I, th- I think. I think that's a, a, a brush that Jose Mourinho gets tarred with um, too often, really. That sometimes he can play attacking football, like we've seen on occasions this season. Tottenham have have, have played some really exciting football, um, and compared to like some of the football that Louis Van Gaal and and and, and David Moyes played, it was it was quite exciting at times uh, under Jose. It's it's the it's the rest that comes with it. It's the siege mentality that he tries to create. It's the blaming the players, singling players out. Um, it all came very angry very vitriolic by the end and it wasn't uh, there wasn't many fans around regardless of his results that were particularly disappointed to see him go I think as well with obviously as you said Fergal you think that his um, sort of cockiness has gone away and it does happen when managers go into new clubs 
they sort of always sort of bounce back. Most teams will bounce back if they get a new if they get a new manager in, just because there's that freshness in there. And at the moment, you know, Spurs had that for a while. But at, at the same time, it's like he hasn't really been had the big tests in terms of you know having a long period of time where they're really in a slump and trying to get out of it and trying to prove his worth. Whereas he still needs to do that with Spurs, I guess, and and trying to get them out of what they are in at the moment. Um. With Mourinho, I always liked him and I think just because I thought he was a big manager in terms of the clubs that he has been at and sort of the success that he had and I did think that someone of that sort of standard needed to be at the club. Um, But at the same time, you know, like you said, he does come with a lot Mm. of other things as well and it will be interesting to see how um, he copes with Spurs seeing as he's already sort of had his time with Chelsea yeah. and now United and then now has to do it with Spurs as well yeah as you say Peen, they're on a bit of a slump they had that that bounce where they came back again I think as well they, they considered a ridiculous amount of goals since um, he came in there but at the minute obviously that big injury to Kane this week Suzoko is also out for a while uh, and Dombele's out for a bit Ericsson's already packed his bags to be honest, the way he's going. I mean, the one, the one good thing is that Son is back from his suspension. With all that, and with Liverpool flying the way that they are, is there any way that Spurs can get a result? I- well, I don't think anyone should go into a game thinking they're not going to get anything from it. It's really difficult because, like you said, Liverpool are a different beast and they probably are going to sort of take Spurs on. And I predict that they'll probably win anyway but I think it might be a good thing that Harry Kane is out just because it gives a chance for you know the likes of um, Son, Lucas Moura, Deli Alli to shine if they play. Same with Ericsson although he <laughs> it's quite known that he doesn't want to be at the club anymore his passing and things could work in the midfield to get through that Liverpool press and if they play well if they do everything that sort of they're asked to do and they shine like Spurs could do then it would be an interesting game. I don't think any Spurs players wants to just give it up to Liverpool. I think they are up for a good game, um, but they just have to want it and want to play well with each other. But wanting it's not enough, really, is it? Especially at this side. I mean, I I think a a lot's been said, written and shown about Liverpool throughout this this season so far. and, And people have said, well, it can't keep going, it can't keep going. I think they've got this, then they've got the Champions League test against... Atletico, I, I I mean, is is there any stopping them? No, I I, I think potentially in the Champions League, yeah. And that Atletico over over two games are a very very difficult team to beat. As we've seen over the years, Diego Simeone loves knockout football. He's, he's his management style is perfect for that. Um, but Liverpool aren't bothered about that. Liverpool aren't bothered about anything other than the Premier League. Um, it's 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 all they've wanted since the start of the season, and and they will do everything they possibly can domestically to make sure they do that and there personally I don't obviously with the the points gap but there is no stop there is no stopping them um they've they've actually got the frightening thing is they've actually looked like they've got a few more gears to go up like there's there's a lot of times this season they've not played that well it but they've just got the job done because they've got so many different options in attack their defense is so formidable and the the frightening thing is they could get even better so, I mean, Mo Salah has been the player of the of the Premier League in the last three, four years. He's not even the best Liverpool forward now. Sadio Mane is, is, is head and shoulders above him at the moment. Like he's, he's relentless. Consistency is incredible. Like considering the amount of games that he's played this season and how, how on earth he keeps going on and on, I do not know. I get tired watching him. But Salah, like, as good as he is, hasn't 
has actually sort of gone down a level from from what he was maybe two years ago, which is mad. And he's they still got. I mean, Firmino's on. You know, only got what three goals in twelve or something like that. Well, the last few games have been pretty good. He almost got a five mm. in five. Yeah, but, uh, across all competitions. But yeah, well, you know, uh, that Club World Cup that doesn't count. <laughs> but um, but. The, the, the thing is, is that the players have got they've got that extra level to go up, and if they all start firing all cylinders, God, I mean, if if only they'd had a week off yeah. before going into the well, next I, game. I think in a in a in a weird way, I'm really as a, as a United fan, I'm really really clutching at straws now. But like, I I, I wrote a very good piece actually over over the Christmas schedule and the fact that people were saying how many. Where would we find this piece? Oh, I'll I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll tell you later. I'll do all my plugs at the end. But um, he um. It, over the Christmas period, it was game after game after game, and yes, it was a bit tiring on the legs. But Liverpool were just in that in that winning mode, and you, just could, you couldn't get them out of it. They were just literally just turning up, going from game to game, no training in between, just going, travelling to a game, win, travel to a game, win, and it actually helped them playing game after game because they just they were they were just in that mode that you could not get them out of. So now I'm, I'm thinking maybe a week they've sat at home for a week. And it's all people around the city are talking about. We're finally getting that first Premier League title. Maybe, maybe the pressure might be getting to them after after a week of sitting at home and going, "Oh, we've not won a game for a few days." Maybe, uh, maybe the doubts will start to creep. I'm, I'm clutching. No, no I'm really, really <laughs> clutching. Yeah. No, the, so you're a United fan, and you're you're already saying, "Yeah, it's nailed on United." Are you, you, I don't think you're comfortable with it, but you're saying Liverpool have got it. You're just learning to live with it now. Yeah, I mean, there's a point where you just have to think, like, is there any stopping them? They literally are unstoppable. They haven't lost at home. They're unbeaten. And I just do not see any team coming in and being and, and, and beating them at the moment, the way things are going as well. Although, to be fair, I think you're in probably a good point to say that because the only team to have taken points off them in the league this season... Yeah is a certain Man United. And let's move on now to to the next game. And that's Man United at home to Norwich. Now, there's been a couple of games uh, in the last few weeks where Old Trafford has started to feel like a fortress again. I'm thinking particularly um, the way they turned it around against Newcastle. Um, But then their away form hasn't been too good. The performances against the top six has been great. The performances against the lower lower teams in the league have been questionable. Obviously, the loss at Watford. Um, Norwich coming in. Um, and of course, on the back of that defeat against Man City in the Cup on Tuesday. Now, what was interesting for me, uh, I, I don't know if you were at the game watching it, but the they had the cameras on, the legends. So you had, like, Ferguson was there, McLaren mm. was next to him. Uh, you also had Hughes, Giggs, Rooney and Butt. And by the end of the game... Like while the game was still going on, they'd all left except Mark Hughes. <laughs> well, there was that there was that story, wasn't there, that, that Fergie took a glass of red wine into into his office at halftime, didn't come back out for the second half. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. So I mean, how true that I don't know, but I mean, you can understand it because it was a it was a bit of a lesson, really. Which I mean, which is more painful for you, you Pete, admitting that Liverpool are, are, are beyond anybody else in the league this season, or being played off the park as you were by a team that didn't even field a striker. It was a shame, really, what happened um, in the derby because everyone can see that that wasn't... United played, did not play their best at all. Um, I mean, it hurts for Liverpool, but that's just one of those things that you know it's going to happen, so you just avoid it and just forget about it. Um, But with the derby, I think it's one of those things where you watch them play in the first half 
um, I think was a complete write-off. I think everyone that's a United fan just wants to forget the first half. The second half, they came out a little bit stronger. Um, but I think in a way, I do hope that this will spur them on because it's been happening a little bit where they're flip-flopping. So they're having a couple of games where they're getting some good good results, a couple of games where they're, they're going down, a couple of games where they're going up. And I know they've not had the best sort of... Um, results against the lower league teams but hopefully playing against Norwich at home as well their bottom of the table um this will has this has to spur them on to do better because they cannot come out of that derby and then play bad again this weekend there's been a lot of anger after some of the results that you've had recently amongst the fans um there's even been talk about perhaps it's time for somebody else to come in Solskjaer's only been in there for just over a year now um, I mean, surely, like, if if they lose against Norwich today, those calls are going to come back again and be even louder. Yeah, and if, if Solskjaer's not careful, Hughes might still be knocking around seeing as, <laughs> a, seeing as any jobs going. Um, I, I think it's between Hughes and Solskjaer when you look at, like, Premier League win ratios. They, they At one stage, they were competing for the worst ones. Wow. Um, so... I'm not sure that that's the right direction to go in. I mean, no, I'm only. I mean, I think it's in a way it's telling that he was the only the only one left at the end of the City game the other night. Um, I, I would agree with Pean. You look at the situation, you think there has to be a reaction. There has to be a reaction from the manager. There has to be a reaction from the players, from the supporters uh, inside the ground against a Norwich team that, in any other situation, you look at it and go, "This is you don't even have to. This is just three points. Jot it down, tick the box, and carry on." But. Um, the concern for me when you watch United, aside from the first 15-20 minutes where City were excellent, was their application to the task at hand. There didn't seem to be anybody able to organise. You know, I don't want to get into this thing of leaders on the pitch because I just think that's a massive cliche, but organising, looking at simple situations. that The first goal, there was no one in the centre of defence or in midfield saying, this is how we're going to stop that happening again. This is how we're going to stop that from potentially being an issue. And that's ultimately what City seized on. And that comes from that comes from the manager in the bench. That comes from the coaching staff on the training ground. That comes from the senior players in the team. And it comes right the way through. You just, you look at a group of players and there's, there is a fair bit of experience, particularly in the starting 11, but nobody seems to be in a position to go, I know what the manager wants from me. I know what this game demands. There doesn't seem to be any sort of cohesion um, but I think if there isn't a reaction and by a reaction I don't mean scraping past Norwich and winning 1-0 thanks to the ball going in off someone's bum from a, from a corner there has to be a reaction in terms of performances and that was the situation in the in the league derby uh, in the, the Tottenham game as, as Pete mentioned before almost the results were secondary United fans watched this and thought yes this is what we want we want a United team that is brave believes in itself is, is willing to, to fight for their manager fight for each other and then it just goes wumpf down again mm-hmm. um, and I think ultimately what will probably decide what happens with Solskjaer in the next few weeks and months is the way they play as well as the results because United fans have seen this now for over 12 months whereby the levels of passion the levels of commitment to what they're doing are just non-existent and that's where Solskjaer can be held responsible. Poor performances, individual mistakes, you can lay the blame at the players and say, this could have been done or this should have been done. But players being under-motivated, ultimately Solskjaer's probably going to carry the can for that. Um, we often hear big players accused of, of only bringing their performance to games against the big teams. But it seems to be the whole of United have had that against the team, which let's be honest, at the same time, we're all saying Liverpool are nailed on to win the league. Mm. For almost longer than that, we've been saying Norwich are nailed on to go down. 
Is there any way you can see Norwich getting a result against United, Peen? I hope not. Um, purely because, like I said, I really hope that United do bounce back and from, the, obviously, the Derby defeat. Um They've got like the the. I think they're going to be missing Timu Puki, so he looks like yeah. he's going to be out, and he's going to be replaced by a youngster who had had a, had a really good. I think he scored a hat trick against yeah. Preston, an amazing hat trick yeah. as well, young Irish lad. Yeah, so he seems um, obviously he's going to be full of beans um, if he does get to play at Old Trafford, and that would be an amazing thing for him as well as a youngster. Um, I just think sort of having you know getting not having Timu Puki in the team, not that he's you know. The, all that for, for Norwich but I do think that United can exploit Norwich more so now that Timu Puki's not in the side Puki's gone off the, the boil a little bit is he's broken toe that's keeping him out right now yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, even though he managed to play on at the time when he got it I mean yeah. just just on that are, are we are we convinced Norwich are gone there's no way Norwich can come back um, because we've we've seen we've seen Villa move out of the bottom three, although they've got a difficult game uh, on on Sunday against City. Um, it's still quite tight down there. Watford have turned it around. Is there any way that Norwich can turn it around? I think their issue, and I've mentioned it on the show a couple of times, is is naivety. They've got good players. They play football that neutrals will go. Oh, that's nice, but. I've said it before. If you're a Norwich fan, you don't want people saying that. You don't want people saying, "Oh, you play nice football." It's it's like it's the it's the knife that you that you're feeling in your back when you hear uh, opposition fans saying that. And I think for United's point of view, I think as Pin said, the situation with Puki not playing and Adamida playing that's almost indicative of how this will go for United. If Lindelof can get a hold of Ida, or I'm not sure, I don't think Maguire is going to play, or whoever plays centre back, can if they can get a hold of him and manage him out of the game, mm. that's what United needs. They don't need. Uh, an amazing performance. They need to show that they've got this ability to to manage those individual situations. And I think ultimately for Norwich, they don't have the players to do that. Norwich definitely don't have the players to do that. United potentially do, but they're just not showing it at the moment. But we've seen time and time again that one of the most valuable things you can have if you're in that situation is somebody who can put the ball in the back of the mm. net. And so that could change things around. Although obviously, as we've seen, the problem has been maybe naivety has been holding on to the leads. There's been a yeah. couple of occasions where they've they've had potentially the points in the bag and they've walked away with nothing. Yeah, I mean, United's record against teams down there is not great. So you, you, there's, they've lost three of five of the last five against teams that, that have started the day in the bottom three, which when you consider United the teams United have beaten this season, it's, it's, it's remarkable, really. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any logical sense why, how many ups and downs United have had this season. But this this might be a sort of step too far for that because Norwich are in such a rut and, and United need a performance, not just as Fergal says, not just a victory. They need a performance because there was an angry place in midweek and it was because it was it was it was so embarrassing really for for United fans to get schooled like that. And United got the hopes up, the fans up, hopes up so much by that first half performance at the Etihad. We thought, here we go, we've got the measure of City again, mm. and then it was. I, I I sort of I think that was in midweek that was United's level, not what we saw at the Etihad. That was that was a of a false dawn. I think sure. what we, I think what we saw at the Etihad was the true level that United are at, and I think there's some results this season have given a false representation of where the club is at and where the team is at in terms of quality. Wow. Um, there are there are there have been some real positives this season. There've been some real plus points. Marcus Rashford, you know, for the amount of goals that he scored. In this team, with such a lack of service, is, is incredible, really, and a real credit to him. Um, but there's so many other problems, um, and it's not going to be a quick fix. Which is why I think Solskjaer is not getting, you know, sort of the 
sort of Solskjaer out kind of treatment that uh, other managers would necessarily, you know, you know mm. obviously he's a legend, we can get that, but it's, it is very much, everyone can see, you know, you look at that squad and you think, well, what do you expect him to do with it? It's just not, it's, it's, it's the worst squad I've seen in, in well, for a long, long time since, since you know, the start of Ferguson's era. So you look at, you do look at that and you look, and then you look at the upstairs and you look at the, the you know, the structure of the club. There are bigger problems than Solskjaer, I think, at United. Payne's nodding away in agreement, but is not nowhere close to smiling when she's doing that. No, I do think I find I see the frustration of most United fans, but I do I believe managers should get at least three transfer windows before they can actually really make a difference because you need time to be able to bring in players that are going to make your game plan work. Um, I think Solskjaer, if he does get the backing of the board and if he does want to bring the right people and it will be interesting to see who does bring in if they bring in anyone in January and then again in the summer because there's obviously been loads of talks about lots of different players that could be really good for United but I do think they need time to he needs time to get the right players in and be able to gel with the team and get the game plan working because as you said at the moment it's sort of no one's really knows what you know what the manager wants or what they're doing together and until that really gels that's when you'll see you know a great Manchester United team as we used to see them because they worked so well together and they played brilliant football but is it because that you you used to have that and you had it almost as a given as a guarantee that that's what you were going to get is that why there's almost like an, an impatience amongst United fans at the minute that you know yes it's been it's been a few seasons now since Ferguson went and you've had little ups mm. a lot of downs people would say mm. but when you compare it to other clubs yeah. you're still it's not like you've been finishing in the bottom half of the table that's that's the thing isn't it like United fans of my age which I will not reveal on air um, <laughs> it, it, we've been spoiled you know like 13 Premier League titles no, no one else no other club in their lifetime of, of supporting a club no other fan will see that in their entire lifetime and and we we saw it in such a short period. It's it gave it gave sort of again for the false expectations of that's the norm because we're just used to not just not just winning it but challenging every year as well. When United didn't win it under Fergie, they were always challenging. The, you know, third. I remember when United finished third, and it was like it was like a disaster. It was like Armageddon, and it was like you know how how what is this? What's it what's it like being all the way down in third? Like I, this this feels weird. Like being this low down, and and then. The season after you win the, you win the title again, and then all of a sudden David Moyes you know he leaves David Moyes comes in you finish seventh you're like oh here we go and it's it has given a bit of a, now a more as a, from a fan's point of view a more realistic sort of viewpoint of football and United the, the problem is is that everything is just trying to match up to the Ferguson days it, and it, it never will it's a it's a funny thing being a City fan as well because I I'm in this situation where. You know, for the last 10 years, it's been a great time to be a City fan. But even through all that, even through all that, when we were having the, all the cups that we won in the leagues and everything, I was still, until it was actually there and we had the trophy in our hands, I was still like expecting us to fall over and, and, and lose, mm. concede five goals in the last few minutes because <laughs> I'd been through that whole period of going up and down the leagues mm. and struggling. And and one of the, one of the first seasons in the Premier League, I think it was the second or third season in the Premier League, Peter Reid was in charge three games in we're top of the league end of that season we get relegated <laughs> and that was what it was like to be a City fan yeah. and so uh, so I, I still have that hang up there and I think this is the thing that you've, you've got that hang up of, of 
being champions mm. and it's it's a psychological maybe it's a psychological condition you'll one day be be uh diagnosed with but we'll see all right we're going to take a little break there and then we're going to come back and look at the rest of the weekend's fixtures as well as doing a bit more psychoanalysis uh including <laughs> a london derby from two teams right in the middle of the league table one that you would expect one that you wouldn't football social daily premier league preview Sports Social. It's the Football Social Daily Premier League Preview Edition. I'm Matt McGinley with me in the studio, Fergal Brennan, Pete Mullenstein and Pete Hall. And we've looked at some games already. Still a lot of games to get through. Let's look at mid-table Crystal Palace, one place ahead of mid-table Arsenal who were transformed, I have to say. They're looking much better under Arteta. Uh, and But they're going up against a Crystal Palace side with a brand new striker that's been brought in on loan. <laughs> He's being cleared, so he'll be in the squad to play. And he is the deadly <laughs> Cenk Tosson, who's coming from Everton. Now, we, we were looking at the stats before we came into the studio, Fergal. He scored like four goals in two seasons. Uh, Premier League goals for Everton, yeah. Right. Uh, th- so, and when you look at the lineup, the roster of Crystal Palace, take Zaha out of the equation. You've got Benteke, who's just signed a new contract, who off the top of my head hasn't scored for 18 months. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Slash years. Connor Wickham <laughs> got a goal he recently. Did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that was his first goal in 12 months. Yeah. Like, so I, I don't un- understand. Is there something about the way that Crystal Palace play? Is it something about, like, I, I know they don't wear the traditional shirt numbers anymore, so it can't be a curse on them. No, I mean, what what's going on? Any idea what the problem is? Um, I think it's a, combination of factors but I think going back to last season they were the for me the most organised team in the league and I don't mean that they were the best defensively I just mean that you could you could just say at any given moment every single one of those 11 players knew exactly where they needed to be standing um, at any point in the game obviously big credit to Roy Hodgson and his coaching staff for that I think they're not quite as organised this season and also sides have realised that they're just going to stand in two lines of four. If we can put someone in between those lines, we can look to hurt them. Um, and the goals, obviously we, we laugh and joke about it, but it is very true. Last season, it seemed to be the constant case of they'll be really tight, they'll be really compact, Milivojevic will get a penalty and he'll knock it in. And then now I'm against Luka Milivojevic because I thought I was dead clever at the start of the season putting him in my fantasy team <laughs> and he's missed two penalties and scored one. And I think they're the first penalties he's ever missed. Uh, so I don't really have a lot of sympathy for Mr. Milivojevic or Palace. But I think in terms of their goals, I just think they're very frightened to, to step out of um, step out of their lane. Um, with someone like Zaha, you know, he might create something. Mm. But it's, it's such safety first football. And that's the reason why they're not getting that many goals. It's just make sure everything's sorted out at the back. If we get a chance, try and put it away. If not, nil-nil is not the worst result in the world. Going back to the joke, joking about Crystal Palace strikers, uh, Conor Wickham's goal was his first goal since November 2016. Really? He has wow. had a couple of bad injuries, though. He has, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying he's played 30 games a season. In and, that, and, still... and that, that's more goals in the last five years than, uh, than any of us have got, let's be, that's, let's that's be fair. True. Yeah. How um, dare you? But the, the interesting thing is, is this week, Arteta, I don't know if you saw this, was... Uh, what, what, I'm not sure what they were flirting, I guess, with Wilfred Zaha, saying how great he thought he was as a player. Mm. Um, although he did kind of suggest there was no uh, intention to bring him in in this transfer window. But if Palace were to lose Zaha, I mean, that's what, what threat have they got? 
Well, this is the thing. If they do lose Zaha, they'll have to replace him quickly because I don't think there's anyone really that could be that could step up to what Zaha's done for for Palace. And it, it, I think it's probably likely that he will go. Um, probably better than Palace at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think it will be if he does go. If he goes in January or. Um, they probably don't want to let him go now. Um, if they go in the summer, he'll they'll have to be find a replacement quickly because I just don't see anyone else stepping up to his. I mean, but, up to but the plate. what kind of team would let Wilfred Zaha go? Crystal uh, Palace. You, uh, go, well, no, I'm talking to two United fans here. It's sort of deliberately loaded <laughs> question. Ah, I see. I see what you're doing. Uh, uh, but let's look at Arsenal, though. I mean, they, they seem to have, they, they came through a difficult test against Leeds in the FA Cup. Um, Leeds really put them under a mm. lot of pressure. Uh, but again, you started to see the influence that Arteta was having in the second half. He's still very new in his career. I think that's, that's five, six games under his belt in all yeah. competitions. Yeah. Um, are we seeing something here that... I mean, we are just talking about patience with managers earlier mm. as well. You know, I, I think already you get this sense, this feeling that the... Arsenal faithful are very much behind him. They very much support him. Again, it's that similar thing that you've got with Solskjaer United and he's mm. the next player. He's a bit of a legend. <clears throat> They're supporting him. Do we think he's the real deal or is it too early to tell? I think um, why he's got supporters on, on side so quickly is he's talking a really good game. Like his first couple of press conferences especially. If you, if you just, if he, all he had to do was sort of just look up the common gripes among Arsenal fans, and he and he just and he answered every single one in just like bullet point form, and it was like wow, like he, he the fans were like, oh, he's listening to us. Well, this is what we need to do, and he and he in he's basically he's 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 talking like Pep Guardiola, isn't he? He's, I mean, that's what that's what he's been doing. That, that's what he's been doing for so long. He's been learning off one of the best coaches ever. So if you if you're training day in day out with Pep Guardiola, you've got to learn these things, and. He's, he has a philosophy, which is very important in the modern day game. Every every manager seems to need a philosophy now. Like fans expect that this is his type of football. This is the way we play, and he's he's getting results now. Um, it didn't start too well, but then all you need to do when you're a, um, a manager who who needs a win is play Manchester United, and then you'll get then you'll get the victory, and it's fine. Well, you're saying that every manager has to have a philosophy. One manager that a lot of people say doesn't really have a philosophy that just works with what he's got is Ancelotti, the new manager at Everton. Uh, they take on Brighton today. Both teams out of the FA Cup. Uh, and you have to say, Everton really went out with a whimper against a lot of people that, a lot of players that people hadn't heard of playing for Liverpool. Yeah. Um, and I think obviously we've all seen the stories of Everton fans turning up at Finch Farm and, and voicing their anger at Marcel Brands and maybe some of the players if they got a chance to have a, have a quick word with them I think Everton to, to draw a broad stroke before Pete bites my head off uh, it's a similar situation to United in that the fans are looking at all the variables that are in place in terms of players but the organisation application to the task ability to carry out simple instructions is just absolutely absent and then obviously again just like it was with um, United losing to City Everton losing to Liverpool and then all of these things you know your, your dirty laundry being hung out in front of your neighbours mm. and that's exactly what's happened and you know Liverpool fans are probably never going to let Evertonians forget the fact that they put out their strongest team against their under 18s and, and lost and comfortably lost and I think what's happened here is the, the honeymoon as it were of Ancelotti is over 
Uh, he is seeing, if he didn't see when he first joined the club, just how many problems there are about an inch underneath the surface. That was the case under Silva. Um, they're not going to go away overnight. Carlo Ancelotti doesn't come in and players suddenly go, right, everything's going to change because Ancelotti's here. Despite the level of manager he is and the CV he's got, these things take time. And there's there's a lot of problems at Everton. Clearly, Marco Silva wasn't the man to solve them. But even if Carlo Ancelotti is, that is going to take some time. And Brighton, you're not the biggest fan of Graham Potter. I think I think he's great. I think he's doing a lot of great things. He, he's, he's getting the best out of some players that haven't done performed so well at other clubs. But you're not convinced that he's got what it takes to push Brighton further. No, I don't. I think he, I think he's a good manager. Uh, I think he's. I don't mean this in the way it sounds, but I think he's expanded the horizons for Brighton a wee bit this season in terms of the playing better football. But. Ultimately, I don't see this, this, the way it's phrased, this transformation, I just don't think has actually happened. Mm. Um, he's swapped between systems quite a lot. He's swapped between three at the back, four at the back. Um, and ultimately, as kind of pragmatic as it sounds, Brighton's position will still be decided by whether they're able to stay in the division or not. That was the case under Chris Hewton. That will be the case under Graham Potter. Brighton fans won't be concerned if in 10 games' time they're in the bottom three with a win they got around Christmas time. Um, and I think that's what ultimately could trip him up if they do slide deeper into this given the changes that he's made how quickly will it be to flip back and reset and go right we're in a relegation battle now this is what we need to do um, another three o'clock today is Leicester City against Southampton which sees the top two English strikers in the league going head to head and of course Southampton looking for some form of revenge after the biggest defeat in the league this season. Yeah, they'll definitely not want another 9-0. Um, they're doing all right at the moment, Southampton, but I think Leicester have got a point to prove. They're not going to want to let that second place slip. So any time that they can get a win, I think they'll be going for it. Um Obviously, you've got Danny Ings, Southampton, Jamie Vardy, goal machine just isn't stopping scoring goals. Um Danny Ings has done me a right favour because I put him in my fantasy team and then all of a sudden I was like, whoa, I'm getting loads of points. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it'll be a really good game, especially seeing those two come head to head and Southampton are definitely not going to want to have a big beating again. I think the key to that is trying to keep all the 11 men on the pitch for the whole game because that's really swung it after about 15 minutes, wasn't it, in that mm. other game? Uh, who, who do you think's better? Just personal preference. Ings or Vardy? Who would you rather have playing for you? Vardy. Simple. <laughs> Chelsea, Chelsea uh, take on Burnley, Pete. Um, Chelsea have lost their last two games at home. And you were saying before, not since Glenn Hoddle yeah. was in charge, have you lost three in a row? Yeah, in the league, yeah. Um, and it's, it's it was against uh, Southampton and Bournemouth as well. Like It's not like it was against City and Liverpool. Right. Um, and it was two very bizarre results, considering either side of that you've got Victories at Tottenham and at Arsenal. It's very, 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 very odd inconsistency, um, considering how good Chelsea have looked this season. Um, and again, it's it. They've with the start they had. They've um, the expectations of the fans have been raised because at the start of the season with this transfer ban um, and all the young players that the, that Frank Lampard was 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 playing. Um, everyone was thinking, oh, you know. How, what can this Chelsea team do? What's a good season? But then they 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 do that what they do at the start of the season. Tammy Abraham, you know, he's like the second coming, and they can't stop scoring goals. And they've got goals all over the place. Pulisic is get scoring hat tricks. Hudson Odoi looks 
looks potential to be as good as Raheem Sterling. And I think great. Um, and then you go and get bang, you get two home defeats like that. Um, they will they will be wary, they'll be wary of that, and they will be. And Burnley are perfect. It's the perfect opposition considering the run that they're on, woeful form. This, this maybe this maybe the season that they could fall down back down to the championship, and they're not that team that difficult team for the big teams to beat anymore. Um, that that is that is long gone. That and um, especially away from home, though the record is absolutely atrocious this season. So they're um, they'll be really up against it to get anything. Uh, to get anything at Stamford Bridge. Wolves take on Newcastle, Fergal. Potentially looking at this, going to have 12 players out? Have they, have they got enough players at the club to actually <laughs> field the team? Uh, I, I don't know how many more would have to get injured for Bruce to, to stick his boots on, but it's, it's getting close to that. Um, this is almost Eddie Howe at Bournemouth proportions in terms of bad luck to injury uh, bad luck with regard to injuries to players um, I think you said there's going to be five or six that will have fitness tests almost an hour or so before kickoff. Um again it's frustrating for Newcastle fans because when they do get up a little bit of a head of steam they seem to then dip off again and then there'll be another little you know burst of form and then they'll drop off again and, and that just rolls on and rolls on a little bit like a, another United uh, but for Wolves I just think they keep ticking they've got really experienced players real quality and I I think they, they'll they comfortably get a Europa League spot again this season um, I thought they were lucky against United uh, sorry unlucky in United uh, in the FA Cup I thought they were unlucky to lose to Liverpool uh, a couple of weeks before that they're still a brilliant side I think they'll have too much for Newcastle here Bruce needs to get certain players back on the pitch uh, if they want to avoid being sucked right into that relegation battle they're missing Lascelles Shelby Alan St Maximin who the, the Magpies fans love gets them up off their seat scores goals does mad things great haircut <laughs> um, I think they need those players back and if they don't get them back within the next few weeks, then there's the possibility it could be too late for them. Uh, it's very difficult to get out and stay out of the relegation zone. Aston Villa have uh, got themselves one place above it, uh, but they're just one point above Bournemouth. And uh, they are, but at the same time, they're one game away from the League Cup final. So potentially you could be seeing sort of a, a replay of uh, what we had with Wigan a few years ago, a cup-winning side uh, going down with relegation. Uh, they'll really want to get something from their game. They're playing host to Manchester City, and I hate to go on about it again, but they could have had seven against United midweek in the cup. <laughs> um, is there any advice you could give Villa? Because it seemed to be tactically that through United completely with Villa coming into this game. Is there any way... You would say that you could see that Villa could actually shut City down and get something from this game. Um, uh, simple answer, probably not. Um, I just think Manchester City are back on the roll. They're looking really good again. Um, again, they're going to be wanting to fight um, for the second spot as well. I just, I think Pep Guardiola has already accepted that he's not going to win the league. Um, so I don't think they're going to want to let that slip. And I mean, I was listening to Dean Smith and he said something like, you know, he kept praising City for how good they were. They were so good. But then potentially they could slip up and we could. So I think he's looking for a little bit of luck, but I don't think they're going to get that. Uh, Sunday, also taking place on Sunday, you've got Bournemouth 
against Watford and speaking of relegation battles that's right in the middle so at the minute you've got a Villa just outside then Bournemouth who slipped into it uh, Watford who are very much on the up real Pearson effect happening there uh, and Bournemouth it's not looking great loads of defeats and loads of injuries for them as well yeah um, nine injuries Chris Meppham's out as well um, for three months now I was reading yeah, yeah. and that's, that's, that's with this run of fixtures is is absolutely huge for them. This is the start of some really winnable games. They've had a, they've had a, they've they're in bad form, but they've they've played all the big teams. And now after Watford, they've got Norwich, then they've got Brighton, then they've got Villa, then they've got Sheffield United, then Burnley. So that, there's games in there that they they need to get some points. Um, but if you if they carry on as they are, the closer you get towards the end of the season. Um, then it starts to get to them, doesn't it? When if you're in a proper relegation battle, because they haven't been in one, they haven't been in one since they've been back in the Premier League. Um, and when the squad, like that squad's not massive uh, at Bournemouth. That's the you know when they they're working to a limited budget. Eddie Howe's done a fantastic job with the money that he spent, and they don't have the resource. They don't have the the backup players to come in. So there's going to have to be some some young players who who come into the team, and they're going to have to really step up and quickly, and they're going to have to going to have to really help get them up the league quickly that's all we've got time for and so this is the point in the show where we get Pete to like tell us all the places we can read all these fantastic words <laughs> Google this okay. is what people have been waiting for people yeah. have listened right to the end yeah. Go- yeah. google.co.uk yeah just find his uh, Twitter handle in the show notes and you'll do it that way uh, yeah so just let me say uh, thank you very much to Pete Mullenstein Pete Hall thank you and thank you very much to Fergal Brennan thank you this was the Football Social Daily Premier League review show. As ever, we have a daily Premier League podcast where you can catch up on all the latest goings on on all 20 Premier League teams. And you can always catch up on the latest news on your own team. Simply ask your Alexa device to enable Sports Social. Football Social Daily Premier League Preview. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.